Hey, absurdist! It's Verilyn, and before we get into episode number two, I need to make sure y'all know that there's a few audio difficulties that came up while recording, but the conversation is amazing nonetheless. So stick it out. Corey drops gems upon gems, and I'm hype as fuck for y'all to hear it. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to the Absurd Thought Club. So today our guest is Corey Salter. <laughs> and basically she's the homie. She's a talented ass writer. You know, maybe or maybe not an economics baddie. <laughs> <laughs> maybe or maybe not. Yeah, this is on that. But, you know, overall she's here today. She's shown up and she said yes to the interview. So we're really grateful and we're welcoming her into our critical space. So first question, let's dive right into it. Who are you and what are you passionate about? All right, loaded question. <laughs> but I'm Corey, Corey Salter. I'm from Chicago. That's a very important part of who I am. I'm a student, 19, a writer, a student, like I just said, artist, dancer, all of that. Um, and I'm just passionate about like creation and development. I feel like as a person, I'm always trying to like be better than I was yesterday or the day before. I'm, like, fully one of those people that's, like, if you knew me six months ago, you didn't know me at all, like, get yeah. with the program. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably, like, as I'm trying to find, like, more niche passions, like, that's always the underlying, like, important thing in my life is, like, making sure that I'm being better and, like, helping others be better, too. So, yeah. Period. So you mentioned how you're a dancer, overall artiste, <laughs> master of the dancing arts, uh, written arts mm. as well so can you talk a little bit about that and how growing up in Chicago kind of helped you develop that passion and yeah I mean most people know I feel like Chicago is one of the like creative hubs of the United States like there's LA New York Chicago Philly I'll give you I'll throw you yeah. that one <laughs> but um yeah I think like luckily I had family and like friends that always fostered like the idea of creativity and like exploring what you're passionate about like, we had things we were doing growing up. Like, it was always about school and sports or whatever. But when I wanted to take a dance class, my parents signed me up for one. And when I wanted to take an art class, I did a summer art program. Like, all I had to do was ask and, like, do all the research, and they signed me up for it. So I'm very grateful to them for that because I feel like just trying a bunch of different things got me to this place. And, like, I feel very passionately that I'm a Gemini and I identify strongly with mm -hmm. that. <laughs> so I think it's really seen in that I'm an artist, like, like in terms of creating, drawing and painting, also performing arts, dancing. Wish I could sing. I, I am completely tone deaf. I've heard the vocals, okay. though. I've heard <laughs> that. Okay. They're there. Um, yeah. Um, visual arts, performing arts, and then writing, which if you consider that an art, which I do. Um, and reading books are art. Yeah. So I think growing up in a place like Chicago where we'd have like open mics all the time and like all my friends wrote poetry and all my friends were dancing or doing something like it didn't feel out of place to be creative. And I luckily went to schools where that was like an important part of our education. So I think that's got me where I am today where it's like I don't feel like I have to choose something. Like I can just be a creative and exist. Yeah. 
So when did you first start dancing and what was that experience like getting into that space? So I have two, like, when did I first start dancing? Because I feel like, A, I've always been dancing, like, as a black young woman. Like, yeah. I feel like you're always just, like, you feel the rhythm as corny as that sounds. No, like, it's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my mom, my mom signed my sister and I out for dance class when I was maybe, like, six or seven years old. I was in a hip-hop class. And I remember so vividly, like, our performers, we had to wear pink bobs. Like, okay. we had wigs on. They were so fire. <laughs> it was a pink bob and, like, a pink little polka dot dress, and I was killing it. But then I was so mad. I was a tennis player growing up. Yeah. And that was on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 5 to 7. Like, that is ingrained into my brain, like, that group lesson. And dance happened to be on Thursdays in the evening. So we couldn't do both. Like, after a yeah. year of, like, trying to swing it, my dad and my mom were like, you got it. Like, no. Like, you so have to play tennis. What did you pick? There was not even a, a pick. Like, it was, it like... It was tennis? Yeah. It was, like, you're playing tennis, which... We could go into that. So how do you feel about that? Because that feels controversial. Yeah, no, no, no. It definitely, like... And that is like a, was a theme of me growing up a lot. And I kind of had this, like, little resentment for the sport. Like, I love it because it's, like, what I grew up doing. But there was never, like, the choice of tennis or something. It was always, like, tennis and everything else is on the side. So as soon as those things started interfering, they were like, you're done with it. So what was your parents', like, idea of tennis that you just had to stick to it? Well, my mom actually grew up playing tennis. So, okay. like, in, in Chicago, a lot of people don't know this, the Chicago tennis black culture is very large. Like, okay. whenever I would tell people I play tennis, they kind of look at me, like, side-eyed because they're, like, a black girl playing tennis. Like, besides Serena Williams and Venus, that's, like, kind of unheard of. Yeah. But really, in Chicago, like, that's all I knew. It was, like, my mm -hmm. aunts all played tennis. Like, we were, like, that was the thing. You went to practice, and it was all black kids, like, playing around. My coach was a black man. Like, loved them to death. It was, mm -hmm. It's a real community. But my dad didn't play tennis. Like, it was just kind of something he, like, hopped on the bandwagon up. And my sister was the real, like, superstar of the family. Like, she was, like, a prodigy. We were traveling and everything. So once, like, you get to that level, you can't really be, like, let me do this also. It's, like, yeah. you got to focus or not do it at all. So that's kind of Damn. how it went. <laughs> yeah, but I started to dance really when I got to seventh grade. Because I was in this new school where you could pick, you had to take a gym credit, but it could be gym or dance. And mm -hmm. I was like, why would I do gym? I have to swim unit? Like, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I signed up for dance. And then from there, I just was like, I love this so much. And it was part of my day. So my parents couldn't be like, you have to play tennis. Like, it was just in my schedule. Then when it got to, like, time to, when I really realized I wanted it and I wanted to audition for the company and all this stuff. And I just told my parents, like, I'm not doing that ish anymore like i'm done <laughs> you're good guys <laughs> i'm done so yeah that was i think that was about seventh grade when i really started dancing taking it seriously period so i did stalk your instagram and i saw you were like captain mm -hmm. of the dance I of the was. dance team yes. so let's talk about that experience because like can you talk about your high school experience what was that like even demographic wise like mm -hmm. what you know what community were you really heavily involved in? Yeah, so I it's hard for me to explain like my high school experience because like everything else, like it's very specific to Chicago, the way that education is set up there. We have these things called selective enrollment schools. I don't know if you've ever heard, but it's like where like a lot of places you go to school that's in your like district. You go to your neighborhood school in Chicago and I think New York is another city. It's all like charter type magnet schools we where have you're magnets. taking yeah so you're taking a test mm -hmm. and you get placed into these selective enrollment schools so okay. luckily I got to go to like one of what's considered the best schools in Chicago and Illinois and it was a magnet 
so they call it school where we had to test in, take a test, eighth grade. No, I took a test in sixth grade because I went to that school seventh grade through senior year of high okay. school. So I signed up for dance, like I said, seventh and eighth grade. I took dance one, I took dance two, and then we auditioned for the company. And, like, I really just had started dancing, but my sister was on the company. Like, she also, she was doing tennis and dance at the same time. Superstar. Of course. <laughs> like, always just ahead of the game. I, I was just trying to chase after her, like, all the time. I mean, she ran cross country, too, so I did that for a little bit. But, um, yeah, once I found dance, that community, I was like, okay, these are, like, my people. Those were consistently my best friends throughout my whole high school experience, like, when I was like down and out, I was like, I wanted to transfer. I wanted to go to boarding school, Damn. but I was like, I can't leave my team. Like yeah. those are my people. I was on the tennis team for a year. My sister was on it too, so like that was my people for a second. But it was like always my dance friends. Mm-hmm. And then also like we kind of had a feeder situation. So like everybody that went to my elementary school basically went to my high school. Okay. So those are my my people from from kindergarten through. Those are some of my best friends to this day. Um, and yeah, that place was pretty cool. Like, I I think I have kind of filtered out like the trauma from it because it was like a difficult, I would say the demographics were interesting because it was like very diverse on paper. It was like 30, 30, 30, white, Asian, African-American, and then like, et cetera, it was like 10%. But when I got there in seventh grade in the academic center, seventh and eighth grade was all white and Asian kids. There was 120 of us in my class and probably 10 of us were black. Mm-hmm. And then once freshman year started, then it was like kind of a mixing pot. But by that point, like the trauma had already set in. I was like, oh, these people hate me. Like I'm an idiot. They think I'm stupid. Da, 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 da. And I was constantly having to like prove my how smart I was or like that I was talented in different facets. So that was hard. But I also think like I'm grateful for it because it's why I'm at Spelman and why I like cherish who I am more than I probably would have if I hadn't had to go through that. But, yeah. Net positive experience, <laughs> I would say. So, unfortunately, we have to talk about the trauma because, yes. like, a lot of a lot of black girls go to predominantly white schools. Mm-hmm. I was part of that magnet environment, like you know, deep in the trenches. So I understand that environment. But say we're talking to a twelve-year-old little black kid, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Look, I don't know what the fuck I like." I have no real passions or interests. I go on Instagram for like 10 hours a day. <laughs> um, what would you say to that kid about like finding their community, finding what they actually like? Mm-hmm. I mean, this that was me, honestly. Like I would say like just do more things. Like that's like kind of my motto now after like freshman year of college and I was kind of just sitting around like sad half the time. And I realized like you get so in your head about what other people are doing and like that you feel left out or you feel... Like, you don't know what you're, like, what you're doing with your life. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. That's kind of something you fall into by not just trying, you know? Like, it's so easy to make excuses for yourself. And I don't want to sound like one of those people, like, you got to wake up at 6 a.m., go to the gym, like, get your life together. That's not how it is. But, like, really just do stuff. Like, in my 7th and 8th grade and freshman year, like, we had club fairs. Like, how we have RSO. We had things you could sign up for classes to do and I never like I was like what, what am I doing that for like I have my phone I watch tv literally I'm good like I'm in the, good in the crib yeah and sure. then I would be like halfway through the year like I have no friends and everybody has somewhere to go and I'm by myself da, 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 da. like yeah because you didn't do shit so like I really I would just say like do more things like 
whether it's like out in the community, like just go outside and like touch grass, or just yeah. sign up for like whatever you care about. If you like to watch TV, like there's people that like to watch TV, like take a media class or take an art class or sign up for a sport. Like I psyched myself out so much about not being good enough at things, like to pursue them, but it's like everyone starts somewhere. So to like make an excuse and be like, oh, I'm not gonna try out for volleyball because I can't play volleyball. Yeah, everyone can't play volleyball when they first play volleyball. So it's like, you just have to do more things. That's, that's what I say. <laughs> so now that you, you brought up freshman year, mm -hmm. let's get into her. Let's mm -hmm. get into first year. Okay. You had this one piece, because you are a writer. Mm -hmm. You had this one piece, your most recent, like, just talking about peaking. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say about peaking from your high school experience to your freshman experience? You just go talk your shit, because <laughs> that whole year was a lot. Yeah, that year was a lot. And I think, like, I realized after putting that out that I wasn't as alone as I thought I was. And that's kind of a theme of my life. Like, once you start talking about things, people are like, wait a minute, you feel that too? Like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, I thought I was alone here. And you just realize, like, when you start, like, having conversations that everyone can, like, be a part of them. But basically, starting freshman year, I was fully in my head. I think COVID, like, had a lot to do with not being ready, prepared to leave home yet. And I yeah. thought I was so, like, get me away from all this. Like, I was so depressed and anxious, like, senior year of high school. I was ready to leave, and then I got here, and I was like, wait, no, I wasn't. Like, <laughs> I want to go home. I want to be with my friends. Like, I was, I had missed out on, like, a bunch of, like, what I thought were crucial experiences of high school, which I realize now is just, like, from watching TV and movies, what I thought should have happened while I was there. Yeah, nine times out of ten, like it's, it's not real. Yeah. yeah, but it's like I was like, oh, I never had a high school boyfriend, and I never did this, and I never did that, and like, oh, I didn't get prom posed to. Like it was like cheesy ass shit. Yeah. And then I was at at college, like watching the class under me do all those things. And I'm like, oh, kill me now. Like that was really <laughs> like, oh, yeah. this is so sick in the head. And then like all my friends were at different schools like I came here with a couple people I knew from high school but all my best friends go to Howard University like mm -hmm. literally six or seven of them that I went to high school with that are there I'm like watching them like hang out every single day I'm, like yeah. that is so sick in the head like they are just chopping it up without me yeah so I was just at, at a point where I'm like does, does my life just get worse from here like yeah. did I, so was true. I happy like and what was crazy like I didn't think I was like happy and everything in high school but then at that point I was like was I like yeah. was that the best it's gonna get should I have been appreciating that more than I was but then I had to realize like nah like I'm good I feel like I still have kind of some of those thoughts of like damn I'll never get that moment back like I'll never have my last company show my last like homecoming pep rally those are like the, the crucial moments every year that I lived for and then I got here and I'm like I don't like to go to school and shit but then that's like where it, do more things comes back into play because the, the semester I got back after writing that was like winter break, got back, I like signed up for some RSOs. This year I feel like I'm always like busy doing something and I just feel so much more at peace. Like, I don't know, because you find the people that are doing the things that you are also doing, yeah. that like care about the things that you care about. And when you thought like, I'll never make the connections that I had at home, and you're like, wait, yes I will. Like, I love these people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> these people are cool, this place is cool. And it's like, when you let yourself enjoy something, it could be really great. So I'm, I'm here now, sophomore year, like it's good.
That's so interesting because when we were freshmen, a lot of what people said was like, freshman year's gonna be chaotic. It's gonna be like, you know, you'll mm -hmm. figure it out. Just fuck up in freshman year, mm -hmm. it's fine. But like sophomore year's like grind time. You figure out what the fuck you wanna <laughs> do, like you're on it. And like, that's such a theme that I see in so many different people at Stoneman. Mm -hmm. Cause everyone's like, oh shit, like I joined the club. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Like I do that all the time. Yeah. Like with Afrikiti or hiking or mm -hmm. anything, like everyone has something to do. Do you feel like, you're able to incorporate your passions within the busy schedule that you have? I think so. And I think something I'm having to unlearn from, like, literally, like, when we talked about my parents telling me, like, you have to play tennis or nothing at all. Like, my dad actually, I wrote my college entrance essay on this. My dad had told me, you can be good at everything or great at something. And that, like, that's completely, like, instilled in my head. It's like, okay, you can't spread yourself too thin, because then what are you really doing here? But I had to, like, unlearn that because it's like what if everything makes me happy yeah. like what if I want to be good at everything and can be great at everything if you want to like so I realized here like I was just thinking okay I have to focus on honors program I have to focus on economic club like let me do those two things and be really good at them but then I came back this year and I signed up for spell trek and I signed up for the art and the writing and all this stuff I'm, I got a job like and I realized like, I can do it all, and I don't have to be like number one and everything yeah. as long as I'm enjoying myself. Like that's really what matters. And I think people don't really see that. And that, just, I mean, people have different values. It's like if you want to be the president of the United States, like you probably should focus on one thing. You should probably yeah. should be in your poli sci major, pre law, whatever the hell, and focus on it. Mm -hmm. But if you're just trying to rock out and enjoy yourself, which I think most of us should be doing, yeah, just do more things. Yeah. <laughs> do more things. Do more things. <laughs> so why do you feel like like everyone should just be able to enjoy themselves and rock out compared to because also that might be like a conversation that kind of dives into the pandemic with people mm -hmm. being at home only having to really do be in one space right. and not knowing what to do. Like how do you feel or why do you feel like, you know, a lot of people should just be able to rock out and just chill? Um, I mean, I feel like hobbies are so important, and this, again, coming from a Gemini, like, we're notorious for, like, doing a bunch of things. Yeah. Like, like, being good at a bunch of random things, like, you, every time you meet a Gemini, you're like, oh, you play the band? Like, oh, you're an artist? Like, just random stuff. And I just feel like, A, you become a better person for being in a bunch of different communities at one time. Like, I feel like I've gained a lot from being on different sides of conversations. Like, being an economics major who's also an artist, and, like, in that space is like left-brained and right-brained. The conversations that people have about like personal and societal development in e economics is very different from the conversations that people have in creative spaces. Yeah. And I think like everyone should kind of make an effort to extend themselves to different groups, whether it be like in the same general area or completely different sides. Because all you're doing is like making your brain know more and like spread itself out, and I think that's very valuable. And then also just like meeting people. Like, there's so much to, to be said about like, just running into somebody, or like you see somebody in one class every once in a while, and you're like, oh, like, maybe we should be friends. Or, like, all, all you're doing is one subject or one thing, like you're gonna see the same people all the time. Yeah. And I think I've really benefited just this year from like being, saying hi, or like nudging people on the shoulder, like adding them to a group chat. And like, then you always have somebody to like, hit up, or like, 
things for people for different types of things you want to do. Like, do you want to come to the bookstore with me? I would ask one person, do you want to come to the grocery store? That's another person. Like, yeah. And like, you can never go wrong with having your hands in different pots and nothing. So with the left brain, right brain thing, like, mm -hmm. how is it being an economics baddie, but being <laughs> an artist, being a writer, being a dancer, mm -hmm. how do you balance out those spaces and like, what do those conversations look like when you're thinking creatively in mm -hmm. a space that's based on numbers? It's hard, I will say. Like, I think I'm benefiting from economics being like, I, I was going to try to be a business major, but they don't have that here, so yeah. like, economics is the next, next best thing. And I didn't realize, like, economics is really a social science more than it is, like, a STEM mm. or math. Mm. It's really more about the theory of, like, how society responds to certain trends and the way that money moves or, like, math works or whatever. And I think, like, being creative really contributes to that. Because, I mean, I like to read, everyone knows this, like, I'm going to have an Angela Davis, like, Audre Lorde, like, theory, everything. I love it. Like, I love women racing class. Mm. I love Sister Outsider. Like... I love to just read essays about what people think. Mm -hmm. And I've been having conversations with like my econ advisors and stuff. Cause I'm trying to like find like why I care about this. I'm like, okay, I'm in this class learning about supply and demand. Like, why do I care? Like this is gonna happen whether or not I'm in this class. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. But then like you hear these different conversations, like my professor is doing research on like how unemployment and like minimum wage affects people of color. And like how if minimum wage is pushed up, what's the ramifications of that? Or like, if rent, if the rent ceiling is lower, what's the ramifications of that? And like, you don't think, um, you think of economics and business as like Wall Street and investing, but people aren't thinking about, oh, like people are literally doing economics research on the effects of slavery and reparations and yeah. like all that type of stuff. And like women in the household, housewives, and women in the job. Like, I feel like, not that that's like, what's driving me, but I just like to learn. And as much as I can learn about whatever, like I'm gonna enjoy it. And I think being an artist and writer and dancer like can allow me to like just express myself and then like be able to sit down and, and read whatever I have to read for class. I don't think the two are super connected, but I do think I benefit from being left brain and right brain, exercising both, yeah. That feels like you have a lot of emotional responses to the work that you're learning about or the work that you're doing as well with like with economics being social science mm -hmm. how do you deal emotionally or like just spiritually because there's a lot of things that we as black women we have to deal with and we don't realize that these are actual you know trauma responses or actually just effects from capitalism and mm -hmm. growing up in late stage capitalism like how do you feel you deal with these things or what are some emotional experiences that you've had I mean, I feel like that's why I write and read, is like just to understand, like, that's typically my, like, response to any type of, like, triggering, or if I feel very emotional, like, I want to understand why I feel emotional or what triggered me, like, I'm very much an overanalyzer, and I'm trying to, like, depart from that, but I think it's also a coping mechanism for me, is, like, I'm going to journal, like, I'm going to write exactly what I'm feeling and figure out why, I'm going to psychoanalyze myself probably shouldn't psychoanalyze others as much as I do, but <laughs> it's just part of who I am, like, I don't know. So, I mean, if I'm confused about something, if something makes me upset or angry, especially in terms of, like, economics or society, like, I'm going to read a book about it, or I'm going to write mm. something about it, like, that's just, like, my natural instinct, and I think it really helps me, like, to understand something, 
I think is underrated. Like people, a lot of people get upset and angry and have these feelings which are very justifiable. They're like, yeah, it makes sense. Like get angry, like be upset about the, the shit that goes on in the world. And also like read a book about it. Like I think yeah. you will know where to place your emotions and how to feel about what if you understand why you're feeling, how you're feeling, what you're feeling, and then what you can do about it. Like Exactly. Yeah. More critical. Yeah. So as an overanalyzer, because I am <laughs> one myself. Yes. Well, okay. So a huge part of the reason why I started the Absurd Thought Club mm-hmm. was because growing up as an overanalyzer, overthinker, mm-hmm. quote unquote, I've been told I think too much about stuff or like I'll drive myself crazy if I talk too much about something. Mm-hmm. Were you ever told that growing up and like how did you respond to feeling like okay, this gift that I have of critically analyzing stuff mm-hmm. is more of a burden than it is a blessing. Yeah, I would say, like, I had a lot of moments. My parents laughed at me because they're like, your brain didn't start developing until about 15 years old. <laughs> and, like, they, like, make fun of, like, moments I had when I was a kid where I, I was just doing, trying to do way too much. And they're like, shut up. Like, I have vivid memories of my parents being like, you talk too much, stop. When I was like a Damn. kid, like I was in the, I literally remember standing by the garage door. We're walking back home from church, and I don't know what I was talking about. It could have been anything. And my mom said, "You're talking too much. Be quiet." No. I said, I said, okay. <laughs> or I'd be at the dinner table, like my parents would be like, "And that's why you have all that food on your plate, and the rest of us are done. So stop talking." I'm like, Got it. Okay. No. <laughs> so I really, but you know what? They tried it, and it didn't work. Cause here I am yeah. today, still talking my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I talk, I think that's what I do, okay? Yeah. But honestly, like, when I, I would go back to, like, a younger me and tell her to, like, relax. Like, I think they were, they were trying to instill something in me that maybe they didn't go about it the right way. Yeah. But I think knowing, like, when to be thinking and when to be talking is, like, a very important thing. Because mm. I was never, like, I was always analyzing the situation, but not in, like, moments where I needed to be doing that. I'm like, okay, a nine-year-old doesn't need to know why she's doing what she's doing to do it. Like just yeah. wash the dishes, it's okay. Just wash the dishes. Like, you don't need to be asking. Like, I would literally tell my mom, like, I'm just a little girl. Like, I don't know why you're telling me to do these <laughs> things. Like, you're a grown woman. Like, they would tell me, like, buy some, like, I asked something at the vending machine. And they're like, you have your own money. I'm like, okay, but you're a salaried employee. <laughs> I got this <laughs> money from allowance. I can't afford that, okay? If Period. I spend this dollar, this is my last dollar. You make $100,000 a year, Period. okay? <laughs> so you pay for my candy bar, please. My parents would be like, shut up. Like, you are so annoying. <laughs> And I'm sorry, like, sometimes I tell them, like, I'm sorry, like, I was doing way too much. <laughs> but also, like, I appreciate them for, like, fostering that in me. Like, they would really entertain me, like, every once in a while I'd be like, hey, shut up. But half the time, it's like, yeah, you know what, you're right. Like, let me get you your too far. Because yeah. I, I do make money, and you don't. Like, yeah. that makes sense. Or I'd be, like, you'd be at a tennis tournament for my sister. My friend is having a birthday party. I'm like, why am I here? Like, I don't need to be here. She's playing tennis. I'm not. I'm just a kid, okay? I want to go to Sweet and Sassy. I want to go to the birthday party. <laughs> And my dad would be like, shut up. Like, they would get so annoyed with me. But it was the truth. And I would, you, no one could ever tell me that I was wrong. Because I knew, <laughs> I knew my thinking was correct. And I, was, I stand by myself to this day. Sweet and sassy is correct. Sweet and sassy. I love that place. But, like, looking back, it was not that great. But it was pink. So yeah, period. Yeah. You said something really interesting, which was knowing when and where to think about or talk about like a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. so what have you learned as far as that arena because i know myself i could benefit from that conversation 
Yeah, I mean, I wish I could be like, I know now, but honestly, like, I'm constantly telling myself, like, okay, relax, like, you don't need to be processing that right now, or you don't need to be talking about that right now, like, I have no idea, like, I only, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. like, I'll get home and be like, okay, you should have relaxed, mm-hmm. but never in the moment am I like, hmm, maybe I should pull back right now, like, I catch myself every once in a while, but I'm still figuring it out, so. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the writing conversation about your creative process. Well, I feel like creative process for anything you do, as Mm -hmm. far as like, especially choreographing, because that's a whole art. Like (laughs) choreographing is something I wish (laughs) I was that girl. I was in praise dance growing up. So I was like, you know, I could do some stuff, but I was like the one that would get made fun of like Mm -hmm. afterwards. Be like, oh, you tried. (laughs) So what would you say about the creative process for choreographing a dance Mm -hmm. versus writing? Okay. So I think writing is something like I don't sit down to write until I know what I'm going to write. Like, I'm not, like, I'm very much in my head about, like, creating, a pe- like, a, a piece of writing. It's, like, I know what I want to say and how I'm going to say it. Like, I might not, like, outline it or plan exactly what it is, but I need to know where it's going before I start writing it. Same thing I would say with choreographing a dance. Like, you need to know your intention. I mean, <laughs> and then both of these, like, it really just mat- depends on, like, who you are as a creative. Like, some people walk in to piece and like choreograph on the spot like mm. I know one of like Beyonce's choreographers like she will come in like I've watched videos of her group and she'll come in and like not have a single thing in mind until she sees the people and it's at like, groups of like 35 people and she's like moving them as she goes she's okay like, okay I want to see this like show me that and they do it and then she comes up with a whole like 20 minute piece like right then and there I don't know. How do people remember that type of stuff? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, if you're recording it constantly, like, I think that's what a lot of people do. But I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, same thing with writing and dance. Like, I need to know the intention of, like, what I'm trying to portray with this piece. And then think of, like, for dance, the motifs that I'm going to use to get this across, whether it's, like, an arm or a leg or something that I want that I think demonstrates this feeling. Mm -hmm. And then, like, who's going to be doing it? What bodies it's going to be set on? Can they do this part? And can they do that part? And then, like, every once in a while, you'll come in, and you need to choreograph, and you don't have anything, and you're like, okay, now I'm just going to make something up right now, and, like, mm. come figure it out later. Like, I did that a lot in high school. Like, my friends would make fun of me, because, like, we had student-led performances, like, twice a year, and I'd get in there, my teacher would be in the corner, like, I know she's watching us, like, c- come up with something, and I didn't, like, do my homework the night before, so I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And I would just be like, so I'd be like, okay, let's do this, and my friends knew, like, I was completely bullshitting. <laughs> But they just went along with it. So I shout out to them. Yeah. I appreciate them. <laughs> Real they just went along with it. Anything like on myself, it's like mostly honestly like finding a song, like a feeling that I wanna go with and then like improv and like, oh okay, that works. Or mm-hmm. like, oh that absolutely does not work. Like let me not do that. But yeah, I think I think writing is more like stream of consciousness. Both of them are like once you know what you want, stream of consciousness and then filter it from there. So is that like the choosing of a song and the feeling, is that intuitive or is it like, I know ahead of time what what type of dance, like it, were there ever like kind of assignments that you had to kind of stick to or was mm-hmm. it really intuitive? Yeah, typically it's like, if I know I have to choreograph, like I'm listening to every song with like, oh, what could I do to this? 
or like I'll be listening to a song like oh like and then something strikes me from that and then I'll come up with something but um I mean again like everybody does it differently personally it's like I I need the song to go off of I'm never like I want to do this so let me find a song for it it's like oh I found this song so I want to dance like okay yeah all right period (laughs) and so with writing with writing what is that process like from start to finish do you have an intention or is it just like because I know that you journal and you like usually write in times of like just needing to get it off your chest Mm -hmm. so do you usually end up having products or pieces out of those moments of like just needing to get it out or is it like pre-planned like oh I want to write about this today yeah I mean it's all it's all like what I'm feeling at that moment but like the overanalyzing thing like I'm never sitting down not knowing what it's about to like be put on the paper like Mm. I'm always thinking because I don't carry my journal with me everywhere I don't carry my laptop with me everywhere so like throughout the day there's moments of like oh I need to write this down or like I want to think about this the only thing like my notes app is the issue of consciousness like (laughs) I've got half sentences in there I've got like first chapters of books in there that I just like came up with on the spot Mm. but most of the time it's like I'm thinking about some things on my mind all day all day all day I need to get it out like write my journal about oh damn that guy's completely ghosting me right now like like that's what i was thinking about all day yeah or i'll sit down and be like the the piece that i wrote about freshman year of college like i've been thinking about that for like two months before i like actually put anything down on a paper or my Mm. computer so it's like it's all happening in my head but it's all like things i'm feeling at the moment okay yeah and so future publishings because you (laughs) mentioned books Mm -hmm. what do you think you're gonna do in the future as far as your writing or like do you have anything planned i don't know like like i said i've got like a hundred million first chapters of books and like i've tried to like put stuff together i've got hella poems like in my notes apps and stuff so i don't know but i honestly like i feel very inspired like i said before by essays and like sister outsider women racing class like the New Jim Crow is one of my favorite books I had to read in class last year. And I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, things that teach people things that you didn't mm-hmm. think about. Like, where you really put it down and you're like, oh, I've never thought about that before. Like, I want to be that for people. Like, yeah. to share my opinions in a way that's like, oh, like, I get it now. Because I feel like in this generation, we have a lot of, like, back and forth with people and, like, trying to get them to see what we think. Yeah. And, like, see what we see, especially with the, like... The, the p- political parties going back and forth and like Twitter Twitter literally I deleted it off my phone no like, I don't want to see like what people, I don't care like sorry I don't care what your opinion is and yeah. honestly like that's part of me working on like I think I'm always right and like everyone else is always wrong because mm-hmm. I was deleted Twitter like you guys are wrong like I don't want to see this like this <laughs> you're stupid like that's wrong literally it's just a bunch of hot takes and they're not hot they're yeah hot. like they're not hot everyone thinks they just came up with the just most amazing theory and it's like you just ripped that off of a tv show like we all have heard that the before. movie it was a movie like, yeah. like, okay. like oh my god the think pieces after jordan peele's newest movie oh. like, shut up all of you like just watch the movie think it to yourself talk about it at the dinner yeah. table and keep like keep it pushing like everybody thinks they have something to contribute which honestly like as a writer so do i yeah but it's like Relax, I don't know. Relax. But you have to admit that Euphoria discourse was top tier. <laughs> but even Euphoria, it's like none of you are critically thinking ever. Yeah. When you get on TikTok after and people are like, oh my god, I think he's gay. Yes! Yeah. yes he's been gay the whole time. Like we know. Like 
And I think as a chronic, like, absorber of media, like, someone mm-hmm. that's constantly watching TV and movies and listening to music and reading books, Literally. like, I'm always thinking critically about content. Yeah. And people, like, I don't know, my friends and I, like, from home, we would get in the group chat and be like, are these people stupid? Like, they obviously don't watch gay media enough. Because yeah. how do they not know what this means when he does this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so, like, and people would come, be like, oh, my God, I just figured it out. Like, Jules, da 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 I'm like... Girl. <laughs> Girl. This is your and I mean I get it, like if T V is exposed before you're exposing people to new cut types of media that they've never seen before, like I guess some people have never seen lesbian relationships on T V. People yeah. have never seen transgender people on T V. Like mm-hmm. okay. So I'll cut you some slack there. But don't act like you invented the wheel when you just figured this out. Yeah, the whole I think the Jules discourse, the Barbie discourse was a lot because that was like a conversation that had been recycled for Mm -hmm. the past 30, 40 years. And so it was like, (laughs) all right, like, and even, even outside of just the basic, oh, she's an over uh, plus size woman, like Mm -hmm. the beef thing that was going on was like, conflict happens. Like, we don't know. We don't know. Like, I wish people like... Half the time when I'm screaming at my phone or something, is like, you don't know. We like, don't. Why do people think, like, they know Sam Levinson and they know his beef with Zendaya? And the, hit him up. And, like, hit him up. Like, if you know what he's thinking, call him. Call like, tell me. Please. Please, because I'm dying to know. Like, people literally be sitting there like, Barbie is fed up with this, da da da. She told you that? When? Call her. Call her. Get on FaceTime real quick. Like, I want to talk to Barbie because you're getting all this tea and I want it too. Yeah. People are making stuff up, like, and they don't even realize they have these parasocial relationships with people. Like, yeah. shut up. Like, they don't care. And they'll be riding for someone, like, someone's whole relationship. They're like, oh, like, she cheated on him. Da 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 da. You don't know that. You hey. No. Like, if that person saw you on the street, they would not give a crap what you care. Like, you trying to fight for somebody in TikTok. They yeah. know your name. Your yeah. Face. Like, relax. I was talking to my friend last night about parasocial relationships mm-hmm. because they were basically like, I sent him my favorite author, Clifford Pickover. Mm-hmm. Like, he's that guy. I think he's amazing. <laughs> And I was like, I love his work, but I would never want to meet him. <laughs> and they were like, why? Like, you love his work. Like, you mm-hmm. don't really like anybody, like, as far as people that you don't know. Like, you don't look up to people like that. So why this guy? Why don't you want to meet him? I'm like, because why would I want to ruin that for myself? Like, yeah. I have an idea in my head. Good. His humor is my humor. We're twins. We're locked in. <laughs> I don't need to email him. Yeah. Like, that's not my thing. <laughs> but how do you feel about parasocial relationships? And how do you interact with whether it's yourself, like, have you had those relationships where you're like, oh, my gosh, Beyonce or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like, anybody, like, I have people that I'm like, okay, we would be literally be best friends, like, if we met. Like, yeah. And I tell myself that, like, yeah, no, we would be, like, locked in. Like, yeah. We're here. We're here. <laughs> if we knew, like, got it. But then also, like, when I see it on the other side of, like, how like how other people look after that, I'm like, oh, like, maybe not. Like, that's far. <laughs> maybe. That's a little excessive. <laughs> and it's like... I don't know. I just tell myself, like, I don't know these people. Like, and they, everything we see is curated that mm-hmm. way. Like, I, I don't know if you know, I had a K-pop era. Like, that was, like, in, I peeped. in COVID quarantine. Like, I still, like, follow them or whatever. But that community is, like... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And that is, like, parasocial relationships to the max. Because they don't, people don't realize, like, especially in Korean, like, exporting of media, it's all very curated. Like, you see this much of someone's life. Like, 
nothing at all and people will literally be on the internet like oh jenny would never or j-hope would never do that or this is how um rm looked when da 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 i'm like y'all don't know <laughs> y'all know like all you see is what they want you to see like yeah. i don't understand why people don't see that whether it's k-pop or whatever the fuck if it's the kardashians like same shit people ride or die for those women like they save their lives i'm like my sister tweeted a couple years ago and i literally laughed at this to say she's like i wish somebody would ride for me like y'all ride for kylie jenner like i don't yeah. get it what are, and what are these people doing for you that is giving you the empowerment and audacity to get on twitter and start arguments about them or like yeah to have a stand page like i get it if it brings you joy but at the same time like keep in mind that you don't know these people in these relationships and like i don't know it's like like i said as a chronic enjoyer of media like it's hard for me to draw that line for myself because if i'm listening to every song in someone's discography like i'm gonna think i know exactly what's going on in their head and Literally. i do think music is the closest thing you can get because like tv and movies like they're all playing roles like you don't know these celebrities i think music is a lot of times the most vulnerable a celebrity is going to get with you and that's if they write and produce their own music yeah like half the time you wouldn't even know but yeah i think i tell myself i'm always gonna have my little besties in my head but i tell myself i don't know them for real yeah literally yeah. um my friend asked me last night they were like so what would you how would you respond if someone was like oh my gosh Corey, i love your dances i love your writing like oh my gosh i love you so much tell me about your life like how would you react to someone kind of deifying you in that way and like seeing you as this iconic i mean you're iconic you know <laughs> you're that girl but how would you feel if someone had this idea of you in their head and like expected you to live up to it I mean, this might sound, like, corny or whatever, but I feel like I've had that, like, my whole life, like, having to live up to myself. Like, from a kid, like, I don't know, I have very formative, I think a very formative moment in my life was, like, getting up at church and, like, reading the newsletter at, like, four years old. Like, I was, mm -hmm. like, reading the announcements for everybody, me and my sister. And everyone's, like, fawning over us, doting over us, because my mom had us reading from, like, a very young She age. reads. I know. They're like, oh, my God, she can read. Like, <laughs> she needs to do this every Sunday. <laughs> and I feel like literally from then on, my life has been on a trajectory of, like, she was reading at three years old. Like, that yeah. literally, like, has defined me. Like, literally, I'll meet people to this day, and my mom, and they, they'll be like, oh, you're the one that was the reading. Reader. You're the reader. The <laughs> reader. And, like, it's true, but it's also, like, okay, relax. Like, yeah. And I've had, like, I don't know, I had this, like, a memory unlocked in my head when I was talking to my friend a couple weeks ago. Because I realized, like, like, I explained that selective enrollment thing to get into my high school. That's how it was to get into my elementary school, too, from mm. kindergarten. And I vividly remember, like, being in, like, rooms. Like, you know how they, like, test the monkeys to, like, put, like... <laughs> Yeah. Rings. <laughs> that I, I remember doing that like as a kid like crisscross oh. in a room like with glass like I know people were watching me from one side oh. and I was I was being tested oh. my mom was putting us in like she's an early childhood development like specialist okay so she was putting us in like studies and stuff and she wanted us to be developing that's pretty cool age, which I get yeah but I'm like I really have been like living with this feeling of being observed my whole life of, yeah like people are watching what I'm doing like if I don't get an A in this class, like, all that crumbles. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, my eighth grade year, had my first B in environmental science. Like, and I was sick to my stomach. I was sick. <laughs> I went to my Mr. Bauer. Like, I met, went to his classroom. I said, Mr. Bauer, 
you have to change Let's this. Let's switch like, it up. Let, this is wrong. It, it can't be possible. Like, I was comparing with everyone else. I'm like, there's no way I got to be in this class. Like, I am a genius. Like, I am so smart. I deserve to be here. He's like, it's a B. It's an 87. Okay, relax. And I said, no, I'm not going to relax. He changed it. He oh, he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was good. I was like, yep. Okay. <laughs> then, then um, what's that? Freshman year? Freshman year, I got to be in trig. And I was like, okay. This... College? No, no, no. Oh, high school. I got to be in trig. And there was no, that teacher was not letting me have, like, she was like, no, that's your B. Like, you earned it. Keep it. I said, got so it. So how did that, was that character development? Was that like, okay. Um, no, honestly. <laughs> it should have been. It should have been. But I just was making excuses. I was like, oh, she didn't like me. Because like, <laughs> I really, and I will sit here and defend that to this day. Really, the only reason I got to be in that class is because I was tardy every single day. Um, and well, I would, yeah. Because yeah. I was doing all the work. Like, math is my thing. I can do trig for you any day. I can do calculus for you. Help whatever, me out. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I will. But, um, yeah, I really have felt, and I had to, um, I think, I don't know at what point it was that I was like, okay, I don't really care about this anymore. Like, now that I'm in college, I'm like, whatever. But everything, every decision I made up until maybe last year was like, when I literally had this fear in my head of like, and I don't, okay, I'm completely disjointed right now. But no, you're good. if I you're were to ever be the president of the United States, okay. okay. And someone looked back at my Twitter or my Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. That dictates all my thoughts. I'm like, I would never be the president if someone yeah. it. And I don't want to be the president. Like, I don't yeah. know why I ever thought this. But like, if I'm like when I was in high school, like if I am applying to college and they see this, they're not gonna want me. So that's my whole presence in life mm. is like based on what people are gonna think of me looking okay. at me. You know what I mean? I was just about to ask you, how do you feel like valid external validation affects your decisions and like the trajectory of how you feel like you're growing? Yeah. I mean, I would say not so much like someone telling me you're doing good. Mm -hmm. It's just the fear of somebody not like being disappointed in me or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not never been like I want an authority figure's validation. Like academic validation was not, I mean, I'm sitting here like complaining about a B, but yeah, (laughs) it was all like... It was all, like, wanting to keep... Like, I feel like my whole life has been, like, impressing people. Like, mm-hmm. I always want to be the one that's like, oh, whoa, like, how did she do that? The reader. You know I mean? Like, oh, my God, she's so smart. And I think I always was afraid that somebody would at some point just be like, oh, okay. Like, and, you know, I had to deal with that at college. And, like, okay, everyone here is a genius. Like, everyone here did the same shit I did. They're like, oh, okay. Like, you were top of your class. Okay, your honors. Okay, like, whatever the fuck. Yeah. And I think at that point, I had kind of gotten over that level. But even to this day, it's like, when I put out that article, like, I was on a high for, like, a month. Because people were DMing me. People that I've never spoken to. Like, when I got back to school, second semester, people were like, oh, my God, I read your article. I'm like, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you read my article. There's always been, like, more peer validation and people, like, wanting to be... That sounds so, like, narcissistic, but, like, people wanting to, like, but be, it's like, real. me. But or, it's like, real. If yeah. that's your experience, then that's real as fuck. Yeah, that's, like, that's really been, I think, the, the kind of validation I seek is people just thinking I'm cool, you know? And, like, being impressed by the things that I do. So were there times when you were really, like aggressively rejected and you were like damn i need to switch it up like something isn't going (laughs) right by a person or what by an experience by a program by a person by a friend by you know someone (laughs) authority figure or like a lover or something Mm -hmm. like that where you were like oh i gotta 
I need to like switch up what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of going through that in this moment, to be honest. Like, someone that I that had been in my life for a very long time, it was like constantly that kind of like. I felt like I was on this level compared to them. Mm-hmm. And, like, that kept... That was the, like, kind of dynamic that I wanted. Because it was, like, okay, I can, like, ignore you for a couple weeks and you're going to be right there when I come, come yeah. back. Mm. And then, like, recently, like, they were, like, wait a minute. That's not, <laughs> that's not how this should work. They got their self-worth. <laughs> they got the, no, and I really, like, I commend them. Like, I'm, like, I'm so happy for you because I should not have been able to get away with that person. Yeah. Time. Like, they were my life since... What, how old are we? 19 yeah. for maybe seven years. And th- that was the relationship that whole time. Shout out them. <laughs> Shout out them for going through that. Like, all the love in my heart. All the love yeah. in my heart. And now I'm going through it myself. So I'm like, damn, like, too little too late for me to realize, like, that, sh- that shit shouldn't have fly. Yeah. And it's not even, like, the fact that I want, like, that back. But it's, like, I'm grappling with the fact that, like, they have the right to completely, like, shut me out of their life. And, yeah. like, not... You know, like as much as I want to like apologize and like let help them see what I see and da da da, like it doesn't really matter. Like they deserve to feel how they feel, and like I don't deserve any like acceptance or like reverting back to how things were. So that's been hard for me to be like, damn, like you don't look at me like ah, anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like I've been knocked down a few pegs, and I think it's been good for me. It's been good for me because yeah. I was like. Yeah, that's not how any, like, dynamics should be. And I kind of blame my parents because they used to tell me that you should always, like, whoever likes you should always like you more than you like them. And that's how I live my life. That's a common theme with people, especially black women. Like, a lot of people I know have been told, like, oh, I never want to like my person more than they like me. Yeah. Why do you think that that's a thing? I don't know. Like, and I think the most they say is, like, the guy should always like the girl more. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what that's about. Like, I think it's just having a sense of security, especially, like, as a woman who's, like, being provided for or whatever, like, to feel like it's always going to be... The, the ball's always in your court. Like, yeah. And I understand that, but I think no one's acknowledging that that's, like, a display of the, your insecurity. Like, that's not just, like, how things are. That's how you want them to be because you felt, like, abandoned at some point or, like, you don't want to feel that again. And I think I'm realizing now, like, I want to be obsessed with somebody. Like, I want to, like, have a mutual respect and love for somebody that's not, like, me seeking validation from them or them seeking validation from me. And, like, someone has more power than someone else. Like, I can understand that the imbalance works for some people. Yeah. But I think there needs to be acknowledgement of, like, why. Why you need that dynamic specifically. Yeah, critically thinking. Critically thinking. <laughs> wow. So now that you're having this experience of like kind of giving up that sense of control, how has that kind of poured into different aspects of your life creatively, academically, of you realizing, okay, not everything's going to be controlled by me and like, mm-hmm. that's okay? Yeah, I think I'm really rocking out at this point. Like, it honestly has lifted a weight off of my shoulders that I didn't realize was there being like someone else can lead right now like I don't have to be the smartest one in the room and like try to be the smartest one in the room I don't have to be the leader in this situation like let me rock out because it's much more enjoyable to just be a participant to be yeah. a general body member I don't have yeah. to be the exec board you know yeah. like, I don't have to be press or VP or secretary or whatever like I can just be here and enjoy myself because I feel like we're always chasing like 
I'm glad I've gotten to this point of college where it's not really about like my resume anymore. Like whatever opportunity comes, comes. Like obviously you have a resume, I have an elevator pitch, like we go to Spelman, whatever. Yeah. But like in high school it was all about like I'm gonna be the president of this so I can have a leadership section. You know what I mean? I'm gonna put this so that the VIP. Exactly. <laughs> but now it's like I'm doing this because I wanna do it. Like what am I gonna get out of BP that I'm not getting just existing? What am I gonna get out of just being someone's friend, like f- fighting for this BFF position or like trying to be the most important person in someone's life when I can just enjoy their company without any strings attached. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how does that dynamic play into parties? Into parties. These AUC parties, LOL. these college parties. Because it's chaotic, mm-hmm. there's always dynamics of power. There's always dynamics of just balancing out okay, I'm going to be here at one point or I'm just so, you know, schmiz <laughs> that I don't care what's going on. How do you feel about, you know, kind of giving up control in a party situation or, you know, consensually <laughs> and safely, but, like, how do you feel about just being able to be in a party and protecting yourself, protecting your space, looking out for people, you know, enjoying your time yeah. in general? I mean, I've been telling people, like, sophomore year, no event break. Okay, anything I have to buy a ticket for, if I have to show you my cash app, I'm not going. Yeah. I don't want to be there because it's all this exclusive, like these collectives throwing parties, no shade to any of the collectives. Yeah, shout out. But it's like we're all seeking like to be a part of this thing. But these people just came up with this in their bedroom last night and they're just throwing a party. Like, I don't know. I feel like AUC is all about like visibility and like certain people are the party people and certain people like you want to go to their crib and we all know the parties that everyone goes to every year but I don't know I like I feel like there's that dynamic there that I just don't want to be a part of of like seeking like I'm I had to step out step back a few times like I'm showing you my cash app like to get in here like I'm literally like scrolling to show you that it's not fake airplane mode on so stupid and they'll be like oh wait that's a picture and I'm like no it's not and you're arguing <laughs> with this person for a wristband like I'm I'm sitting here trying to fight for an X on my hand like that's what I'm doing with, my, the marker. with my I could have brought the marker like that's what I'm doing here is trying to get into this party that's only cool because these people said it was cool you mm-hmm. know so I think there's that factor but then it's also like okay that's one of my overthinking moments is it because like maybe I should just go to the party and enjoy it I am a huge advocate anti-Eventbrite party. <laughs> okay. okay, good. If Me it's too. on Eventbrite in general, I'm not scrolling through that app. I'm not scrolling Kick through that website. Only. Okay. I it's For me, I don't party, right? <laughs> I don't go out. But when I was, I was invite only. Yeah. Like second semester especially, unless someone told me about something, I wasn't going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there would be Eventbrite, you know, inevitably because most that's how people get people to sign up but Mm -hmm. i would only go to things i was invited to Mm -hmm. so if it was a rave it was because so-and-so told me right if it was a show it's because so-and-so told me or you know if y'all were going to like auc something then it would be like okay well i'll go to that yeah but i'm anti-event bright to the day i go like i never want to re-download that app on my phone i look I have not downloaded it. I've, I survived not You've downloading it. you never had it on your phone? Never had oh, it on my that's phone. that's crazy. I only went on the website. Like, I would really? go through it on Instagram, pop up the Safari. Yeah. But I survived somehow. Wow, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're coming to a close, mm-hmm. big question, passion or love? 
I mean, I feel personally like passion is like the driving force of our lives, really. Like, it's how we find what we're, what our purpose here is. Like, I have these little existential crises like once a week where I'm like, what am I here for? Like, why is life so long? And what am I doing? Da, da, yeah. Da, da. And like, that's not solved by love. Like, I love my parents and I love my friends and I love my single, my room. Like, yeah. But that's like, okay, like, that's here. But like, it doesn't answer the question, like, why? And I feel like that's when you get into passions. Like, I'm passionate about learning and I'm passionate about teaching and I'm passionate about writing. And like, those are the things that make get me like excited to wake up the next day and like, that can justify like oh if I have to be alive fifty more years okay like let, if as long as I'm doing this that's good yeah you know what I mean? yeah so I feel like I feel like passion yeah period well thank you so much Corey thank you for having me the reader the dancer mm-hmm. the writer the economic baddie <laughs> maybe maybe you're not mm-hmm. you know like but. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming to the Absurd Thought Club and critically thinking. Uh, I love you so much. And yeah.